Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, everybody. Also sitting next to us is our trusty, dusty research extraordinaire, Jason Rugg. Hey there. So last time we got together, we talked about... Christian in Nashville, wanting to be there for one week, ended up being there for six weeks, <laughs> got to know the lay of the land, right? I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> and you were down there editing your film, creating an assembly edit, which we talked about last time. So we want to hear more about your experience in Nashville, talk about why you were there for six weeks, the editing process, and so forth. Yeah, so, sure. So have you ever heard the uh, sort of analogy, like, when you're heading down the road and you realize you're on the wrong road, it is never too late to turn around and go the other direction. Have you guys heard that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but that's a really good one. <laughs> it is never too late to just turn around and quit going down a road. Okay. <laughs> uh, so basically that's what happened to me, um, well, along with some difficulties that we had. So um, one of the things that um, I, you know, I didn't get to talk about last time is we, we do have a staff of people that have helped bring this whole project to light. It would never happen without a host of volunteers and just incredible um, people. And I mentioned reverse negative. Uh, Terry John is the post-production supervisor. He has just been my main partner and incredibly, you know, has empowered me a lot, believed in me from the beginning. He does a lot of post work and graphic work. He he could do it all himself. He could edit, he can write, he can produce, he can direct. Um, but he's definitely trying to help me. Um, you know, tell my story. Um, And so Corey is our director of photography. He's just got a wonderful eye for color and setting up shots. Uh, He's just excellent to work with. He too could do a lot of things on his own. Um, A great filmmaker in his own right. Rick Arbazani is our production manager. Um, He is kind of held us all together and making sure that we accomplish our tasks. He's great with, uh, you know, like going down the, what, what are they called? Like the uh, checklist? Well, yeah, checklist, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then, uh, you know, Bill is our editor, like I said. Um, but we have uh, just incredible people. Like, um, And you can go on our website, and I would encourage you to go to normandystories.com and look at our crew section and see how many people are there because I don't have time to name everybody. But um, we have executive producers and producers and writers and um, we have a composer who volunteered who was a podcast listener to The Holy Post. All right. <laughs> um, actually, most everybody is. All my social media team all volunteer. They're all Holy Post podcast volunteers. Shout out to Kyler and Bethany and Rebecca and Melissa and uh, David Needham. I don't know where I'd be without you guys. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have people that have helped me with fundraising. I have people that have helped with assistant editing. My family has been huge. I don't know where I would be without my husband my and my boys, my mom. I mean, it's just, it. you know, have you ever looked at the end of a film? Right. <laughs> and been like, why do they need all those people? Right, right, right. <laughs> it's a lot of people. It is a lot of people and every one of them are needed. So in an indie film where you can't pay everybody, you know, it's not very many people. But you still have to do all the same jobs, basically. Sure. So. so anyway, um, one of the people that I brought on was a woman by the name of Julie Danis. And Julie is an incredible writer. She has a, a, a long, wonderful work history of reporting and writing. And 
um, I partnered with her on another failed project, and I thought, <laughs> man, I, I know this girl's good. I want to bring her on. So she came on to help me write the script, and we spent many weekends together. I'm trying to do this major download, and she's trying to help me figure out how to write my story. And I basically said, here's all the information. I want you to write it. Meanwhile, I was doing 101 other things, and we were getting prepared for our pickup shoot in Normandy in December. So Julie wrote a script. I read it. It sounded good to me. It seemed to make sense. It was like what I had told her. And so we shot the pickup shoots based on her script. Can I time out for a second? What are pickup shoots? So when we shot uh, principal photography, we were there May and June. And you were, we did, in, you were in Normandy mm-hmm, in last May summer. In June, right. And we had done a lot of shooting with veterans, like February, March, April, May. Okay. We did Man on the Street, a bunch of other things. So that, once you start shooting, to when you stop shooting for what you think you're going to do is principal photography. When you stop shooting, especially with a documentary, you realize, gosh, there's other pieces of the story we didn't get. And and it's true with even feature films. You can shoot something and who knows, maybe it rains that day or maybe somebody a camera breaks or maybe whatever, you realize we did not catch what we were supposed to catch. So we need to schedule a whole nother time window to do pickup shoots. Okay. And these are the pieces that we need to get to finish our story. So that was December of 2018. Correct. All right. Yeah. So, so we went back another story. two weeks. So um so anyway, we go over for the pickup shoot based and our and our things we're shooting are based on Julie's script and some other things that I had in my head. That went great. I thought we were done. During the time that we were in Normandy, other people were supposed to be subtitling all our French interviews. Now, somebody had asked me this question about working in the double languages. I just have to say it is a it's a bear. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't what I was going to say, but that's the appropriate thing to say. It was a bear. And um, when you're working in dual languages and you have like, you know, we, we are all English speakers. None of us speak French and especially my editor and me. So when we're listening to all these interviews, we don't understand them. So I can't edit them. I can't really write the story until I can understand what the French people are saying. Mm-hmm. So that meant that as soon as the um, shooting was done in June, we had to have a transcriber transcribe them and then translate them into English so we could read them. And then we needed to subtitle the videos so that we can see what they're saying in real time. Mm -hmm. So that was supposed to have been happening, you know, September, October, November. We had one done by the end of December out of 31 French interviews. Wow. That's a huge problem. (laughs) Huge problem. And it was really, really bad. So at that point, I realized I have, I really don't think that it's possible to do this this year. That was what I felt. To get the whole project done. Yeah. Wow. I just didn't know how we would do it. Now, I have to say, from the beginning, people that have listened to this before or know me know that I am a Christian and my faith is integral to who I am and everything I do. And I do feel like the Lord kind of laid this project in my lap and I'm trying to be faithful to carry it out. And every single time I have come to a a, a crisis point or a place where I'm like, this is not going to happen. I've had to sit there and say, okay, Lord, this this is the problem. This is where we are. 
And if this is the end of the road, you know, if you're telling me I need to stop, whether it's stop raising money or stop doing X, Y, Z, I will stop. Because I believe that the end result is not the thing. The end result, whether it's a film or whether it's a business or no matter what it is, raising money, for me, the end result of the goal, it really isn't that important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's important. (laughs) (laughs) But for me personally, I feel like the journey is the thing. You know, how as a Christian filmmaker do I treat those people that I'm working with? How do I think about the perspective um, of what I'm doing in relation to my family? How do I pursue that goal and, and, and live a balanced lifestyle? You know, how do I not let myself get completely undone when bad things happen? Bad things are going to happen all the time. You know, making a documentary, to quote Ken Burns, is solving a million problems, sometimes all in one day. And you have to be dedicated to finishing your goal and to, stay, to persevering, but not at the expense of your soul, not at the expense of your peace. And so every time I come up against one of those walls, I have to stop and say, am I supposed to go forward or am I not? And so with the subtitle issues, that's the way I felt. And I was like, Lord, we have to solve it or put this off till next year or something like that. Well, Terry did figure out a way to automate the system to a degree. So he, we took all the videos, the French videos, we edited them down into their skinniest form, and then we put them through a transcription service called Happy Scribe. Happy Scribe works in French language, so it kicked it out of a French transcript. Hmm. So then we put it into Google Translate. And by the way, this is terrible. I don't recommend this method. <laughs> Not at all. I'm just telling you what we did. Right. So then we put it into Google Translate. And so now we have a pretty terribly transcribed uh, French video. We then had our human excellent transcriber, Michelle Coupe, who's my producer in France, who is American, married to a French person who I could not live without. (laughs) She um, is amazing. Um, So she then corrected, roughly, the translations. Then she did that in an SRT file. The SRT file is what you need to make closed captions. So she did the transcribing in an SRT file. Because Happy Scribed kicked it out that way. We put the SRT files into the videos so that we could read them. So we were able to get all 31 translated, transcribed, and subtitled. Here's the other thing. If you have money, this is not a problem. <laughs> that's the other part. All right, that's that's it, the big lesson here. Yeah, if you have money, this can be done easily. The okay. problem is we're working with no money. Okay. So yeah. um, these things are relatively inexpensive okay. things that you can do. So um, so anyway, we are sub- now we have 31 subtitled videos, and it's taken us four weeks. So we're at the end of January. Okay. Now, once you have the subtitled videos, and you have to realize that our French videos are like kind of important since the film is about the French perspective <laughs> right, of D-Day, right? right. So um, it's now January 31st. We've got all of our subtitles done. So now I can finally see what these interviews say. And 
Bill begins to edit these French interviews and lay out the assembly edit of the first script. Okay? Okay. So Bill is doing that. He And I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see what he's doing because I can't really weigh in until I see how the assembly edit looks. And meanwhile, I needed to go to Florida and raise some money. So because if I didn't, we were done. This was another thing where I was like, <laughs> okay, we got to have some more money or right. we're done. So I went and I did a fundraiser, two fundraisers in Florida and raised enough to go another two weeks. And with the potential of a $25,000 gift. So I come home and I'm ready to see sort of the first assembled parts of the, let's say, a little more than half of the film. And it's now like about the 20th of February. And I look at the assembly edit and I can't make it through five minutes. It's not good. It is not good at all. (laughs) And I am just devastated. I can remember sitting there looking in front of my computer, just starting to cry. I'm shaking. I'm like, I have no idea. This is horrible. Like it was so bad. Yeah. What is it Martin Scorsese says about rough cuts? He says, (laughs) if you're not ready to throw up the first time you watch it. <laughs> okay. you, I've you never heard that. Yeah, he says you don't have a good rough cut if, if you're not ready to throw up the first time you okay, watch it. Okay, well, I certainly <laughs> felt that way. And, and I think the true is, same thing is true for you know, writing a novel. I mean, just the, when you read how many times people rewrite stuff and yeah. re-edit stuff, and uh, that's it really prevents me from ever trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was a really, it was a really eye-opening thing. And there were actually two things that helped me on the Florida trip. And this is why I say this is a journey. And I do not think I could have been, I don't think I could be where I am today without this part of the journey, right? So all the way along in my head, I have heard like, you know, Peter Coyote narrating my documentary or Tom Hanks or Gary Sinise (laughs) or, you know, somebody like that narrating my documentary. I have seen it as a hybrid of Ken Burns and Michael Moore. You know, I didn't want to be in it at all. I didn't want to narrate it at all. Although all the way along, people will say to me, Christian, the way you tell the story is what we are interested in. Mm -hmm. We're working for you. We're volunteering for you because you're passionate about this project. And now we are, you know, kind of thing. But shocker, I know this is true, but I don't like myself very much, (laughs) which is really kind of terrible. But I had to address my own, like, insecurities and, like, complete disdain for myself all the way through this project. And I realized that I really wasn't valuing what I I did bring to the project in a weird way. Like, part of me is like I would have never started if I wasn't courageous enough and believed in myself enough to do it. But by the same token— I didn't really believe in myself enough to do it. I don't know. It's weird. So anyway, coming home from Florida, two things happened. One, I had a really incredible fundraising experience where I, at the last minute, these people invited me to come. They put the word out. A newspaper uh, talked about it. And before we knew it, we had over 80 people in a room Two World War II veterans showed up. One was Ira, who was at the State of the Union address. He was this wonderful— Really? Yeah, he was this Jewish 
veteran who's just got a heart of gold. He's 93 years old. He's the one that like jumped up at the State of the Union yeah, yeah, address yeah. and all excited. <laughs> so he's just, he's a rock star and he just showed up. I mean, he brought all of his booty for that he had, you know, collected over all these years and photos. And then I found another veteran who like nobody had ever heard of. And he came along with us for this memorial ceremony that I did for a veteran who had passed away. And he got to share his story publicly for the first time, and uh-huh. I was able to connect him with veterans back to Normandy, and now he's going to Normandy for the very oh first time goodness. since he left. So we had this—all this was happening in this weekend, and during that presentation, I presented the story using videos that we had already cut and telling everybody about these people that I met and fell in love with and what I learned, and people, like, loved it. And they wanted to know more, and they didn't want to leave. And I had $2,000 in a jar by the time I left. Nice. And I was like, wow. (laughs) I was like, huh, maybe there is something to me telling the story. And then I got on the airplane. You know part of this story because I told you about it. I got on the airplane, and I just I'm watching any documentary I can to try to get inspiration. And um, I went to the documentary thing in the United Airline flight, and I find Generation Wealth. I'd never heard about this film, never seen it, so I decided to watch it. Well, this is a female filmmaker who's talking about her journey of her work over the last 25 years, and she tells her story in her voice the way she would tell the story. And I had an example of what it looked like. Okay. So then I was like, huh, okay, maybe this will work. So then I get home. Then I see the assembly edit, and it's a disaster. And I'm like, this is not my story. And so I'm in the bathroom crying my eyes out, and my (laughs) precious husband comes in, and he's like, what is wrong? And I'm like... It's terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's awful. And he's like, well, what do you need? He's so sweet. And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, do you need to go be with Bill? And I was like, if I don't, there's no hope. He's like, well, how long do you need? I'm like, I don't think I need more than a week. (laughs) So the sweet thing buys me, uh, you know, a round trip airfare with his miles for a week. And... So I get on a plane, I go down there, I get to Bill's, and you know what? You know what his office is? His office is in his garage. It's like <laughs> in his garage, you know, it's dark, it's there's mice running on the floor, there's bugs. Like I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I gonna make this week? You know, how am I gonna make it for a week? But he's, uh, it's a very high-tech garage, as he would sure, say, sure. you know, very high-tech garage. <laughs> All you need is a good man, right? <laughs> right. He had, like, three of them. But right. so, uh, so anyway, I, I get there, and we uh, look at each other, and we're like, what are we going to do? And we're going to find out what you did on our next podcast. Awesome. All right. So I had mistakenly said we were going to learn what you did in Nashville on this podcast, but this was just a giant teaser for the next one. <laughs> I'm sorry. We try to lay out things on this podcast, but it just never comes out. It's kind of no, like no. my film. It never comes out like you planned. No, no. It was great. I, there was way more information that behind the scenes I didn't know about that I'm glad you shared. So All right. that was fantastic. Thanks so, for asking. So next time, we're going to learn about Nashville. Um, so thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you.